Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. All right, I'm going to dive right into speaking on Jesus is our first love. And I'm going to start by reading out some scriptures this morning, and then I'm going to talk about this and look at how Jesus can be our first love. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rebah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed, that's us tomorrow, right? Got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Not good. All right, I'm going to read a couple of scriptures from Revelation, and then we're going to talk about this. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Revelation chapter 3, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. Here we have a couple of passages in the Bible, and in Revelation, it's clearly showing us that we can have three spiritual temperatures. We can be any one of these three temperatures this morning. We can be hot, we can be lukewarm, or we can be cold. And the truth is, those are the only options. We are one or the other. I hope this morning that as we're sitting here, we've come to church, we've decided to be here. I hope that we are feeling red hot. The truth is that some of us might not be. And I believe that we this morning are going to be challenged to come back to our first love. You know, we're going to look at the story right now of King David. We perhaps have heard of King David. He was a young man, full of vigor, full of strength, ruddy shepherd boy. And he was out there on the hills. He was in solitude. He was out there alone, introvert heaven, uh, out there just with the little sheep. And he was there singing songs and worshiping and singing songs to to the Lord, glorifying the Lord with his heart. And he was there writing those songs, worshiping, pushing into God, digging a well. He was drawing close to God and falling in love with him. And in that season, it was a season of developing his close relationship with God. He was red hot. He was red hot for God. 
From that moment, he fought the lion, he fought the bear, and then he went to the battlefield and fought Goliath. Because I believe when we're red hot, God opens the doors of promotion and opportunity. And when we're red hot, God's like, man, this is a man or a woman that I can trust, that I can use, that I'm putting my hand on. And so he went out and he fought Goliath and he triumphantly took down the giant, cutting off his head in gory, grisly victory. And uh, that giant was gone. He then went into battle after battle. He was victorious. He was a great military leader. He was on fire for God. We saw a man whose passion didn't wane. He was charging after God. But something happened. Something changed. Complacency crept in. Laziness crept in. And in 2 Samuel 11, the Bible says, when kings go out to war, David stayed home. Kings go out to war, and David stayed home. He had become complacent. He had become lukewarm. His first love was not burning hot, or he would have been out fighting the Lord's battles still. The comfort of the kingdom, the comfort of the palace was triumphing over his calling. His calling had diminished in the face of the comfort, and he had taken God's hand on his life for granted. You know, there he is, staying home, sleeping in, chilling out in the grandeur of the palace. I mean, this is a man without a mission anymore. I don't think men do well without a mission. Like John is nonstop on to the next mission. He just would not cope without a mission. (laughs) I just like it when his mission is focused out there and not on me. (laughs) Every wife said amen. And David has settled in at home and he's having a little midday midday sleep. I mean, the guy is meant to be the king out there making a difference. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. And he's lost his purpose. He's aimlessly just filling his days, wandering around and eating food. And it's not a very exciting life anymore. And so no wonder, no wonder he starts longing for some excitement, for some adrenaline hit, because he'd be missing out from that on the battlefield No wonder he's searching for something to make him feel alive again, because he's not alive with his fire and passion for God. He took his things off God. He became lukewarm, and he focused on earth. Before he knew it, his heart had stopped chasing after God and was chasing after the things of earth. You know, there he is looking out the palace, and there he sees that famous woman, Bathsheba. I mean, this guy was not hard up, let's be honest. He could have had any woman that he wanted. He had options. He had his pick of the ladies, but instead he wants what he can't have because it's exciting, because it's gonna give him that spark that he no longer has. And he starts to not just go from being lukewarm, he becomes cold to God. Because the truth is that cold begins when we shut off conscience. And David has to shut off his conscience to go and sleep with Bathsheba. See, God is to be our first love. Why? Why must God be first? Why must he be our first love? Well, his is the only complete love. His is the only all-sufficient love. His is the only pure love. God loves us enough to to make us want to love him. He loves us enough that he would want us to love him. He must be our first love. You know, in Revelation it says, do what you did at first. Okay, so in this room, who's experienced first love? 
the giddy, lofty feeling. Oh, many of you, that's fantastic. But I would say there were a few hands not lifted. So there is hope. There is hope. Somebody here is yet to meet, maybe tonight at the student celebration, Joel. It could happen. I met John in church. Who else met their husband or partner in church? Their wife, husband, yes, there we go, there we go, testimony. Okay, um, what was I saying? First love, first love, do what we did at first. Can you remember that lofty, giddy feeling, that sense of every song on the radio is singing about them? Man, how did they know? That is, that is my relationship, that is perfect. Every song, you know, you are the most irritating friend when you fall in love because you go on and on and on about this person until the person is sick of hearing about them. Because not only do you tell them how great they are, you tell them again and again how great they are. And the same questions and the same stories. Do you really think? Did did you see that? What do you think? Do you think? And uh, did you know? And those conversations go on. You know what? You take surreptitious photos of them and then you go and print them out at Harvey Norman and you put them on your wall and you kiss them, lipstick marks on those photos. They are your obsession. You too were singing about them, okay? (laughs) There are just not enough hours in the day to spend with them. It's like, is it midnight already? Oh my goodness, where did the time go? Do what you did at first. That's what a lofty, giddy love looks like. You know, I'll never forget when I was uh, dating Johnny and, you know, he was desperate to spend time with me. Uh, The truth is that he pursued me, just saying. I know, I know, he's not here, so this is great. (laughs) This is great. I can say whatever I want to say right now about him instead of having to sit there and nod when he says things about me that I don't like. (laughs) Just make you all feel like it's okay. It's okay. Yes, not a problem. When we get home, why did you say that? (laughs) But now, no. (laughs) He pursued me. And so I wasn't too interested. I was like, speak to the hand. And he sent me a letter. Uh, He sent me a letter. I was touring around. Yes, touring. No, I was not just me. It was a whole group of people. And no, I was not singing on the tour. Just to clarify, if you don't know me, definitely not singing on the tour. And I was touring around and he wasn't coping. And he sent me this letter saying in block letters, call me. You must call me. Call me now. Call me today. Don't forget to call me. Here is money to call me and then I will take up the charges. And he taped, cello taped into the letter, $2 coins. He did, he did. Do you know why? There were no mobile phones. There were no mobile phones and we actually had phone booths. They weren't just in London, we had them in New Zealand. And for me to call, he couldn't just get hold of me. So he had to get the message across. And you know, he was desperate to hear my voice. He was desperate to be in touch. And it just spirals from there, doesn't it? That first love, that first love, you fly, you drive, you do anything, you FaceTime for hours. I think John and I spent eight hours on a phone call one time and we would go off for food breaks and bathroom breaks and come back because you couldn't hang up the call because it was a set amount fixed rate call, $5 for as long as you wanted. But if you hung up, it was another $5. And we were broke. So, you know, 
<laughs> we were staying on the line. God wants that kind of relationship for us. He wants us to do what we did at first to be passionately pursuing Him. I remember when I fell in love with Jesus, I had like little yellow sticky note Bible verses stuck on every wall. I had highlighted every scripture. I'd highlighted it so much I could no longer find meaning in my highlights. I, you know, I would stay up reading the Bible all through the night, listening to Radio Rima all through the night. And, you know, my passion for God, I would drive hours to meetings where I thought something exciting, God might turn up. You know, there was just this overflowing passion and God wants us to have that kind of first love. Look, it's not, we do move into a marriage. We do move into a marriage where it's not like we have the same amount of time to invest, but we must be committed to the investment. We must always be committed to the investment so the first love does not wane. You know, what happened for David, King David, was a gradual change. I think this is how we can find ourselves in this place sometimes, where we're in the room and we're like, I don't know if my, my love for God is red hot anymore, because it's gradual, the drift that happens in life. And for David, that happened. You see, it's so easy for it to happen but I really believe that the human heart cannot exist without passion. It can't exist without passion. And if our passion for God isn't first, then something else will take that place. God wants to be first in our hearts. We follow Him first. We love Him first. We place Him first. The human heart must have Him first. What I love about David is obviously we see that he suffered. He suffered from the choice he made when his heart was cold but he repented and he turned back to God. He's the one who wrote, create in me a clean heart, O God. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. What's that? Restore to me the joy of my first love. He understood what happened when his first love waned for every person in this room. You know, I, I remember reading that, that verse in Revelation and being challenged like a sword had pierced my heart. Oh my gosh, God. Do what I did at first. I've stopped following you like you're that one passion. And I, I just remember being so challenged at one point in my life where serving God had taken the place of worshiping God. And in our lives, He must be first. We must burn with a passion. You know, every year I watch that cheesy, terrible movie called Left Behind. It has got Nicolas Cage and it's on Netflix. But I watch Left Behind. I know, it's really, really cheesy. But... I watch that movie and every time I'm gripped with holy fear. God, I don't wanna be left behind. I don't wanna be lukewarm or cold when you return. I want to be in the, in the throng that's going up to heaven straight away because my fire for you is burning hot. Oh, let the love not grow cold in Jesus' name. God must be our first love. Warren Wearsby writes this and he says, first love, is the devotion to Christ that so characterizes the new believer, fervent, personal, uninhibited, excited, and openly displayed. It is the honeymoon love of husband and wife. It is possible to serve and sacrifice and yet fail to adore Jesus. Labor is no substitute for love. Neither is purity a substitute for passion. The church must have both to please him personal, free, exciting, uninhibited. We're to have this close relationship of Jesus which blows a religious ideology out of the water. He is not distant, He is close, He is intimate and He loves us with a passionate love and we must love Him in the same manner. What did your first love of Jesus look like? 
Is it still red hot right now? Are you still burning with passion for Him? You know, the Bible says that Jesus must be number one. What we understand is that when we go to heaven, there is going to be no marriage in heaven. So our first earthly love, that's great. And that's very important. We must be committed. But actually, when we go to heaven, we are married to Jesus. The Bible says that we are the bride of Christ. So our marriage to Him is not a marriage of convenience. It is a marriage of commitment. We must be committed to Jesus as our first love, the burning passion, because that is the goal. That is the goal, the end goal of our very existence on earth, to be one with Him, to be one with Him. He must be first. All right, I wanna bring, bring a few uh, points in here. What causes our love then to grow cold? What, what would cause our love to grow cold? It's so easy for us to suddenly drift from being red hot to lukewarm. We saw it with David. It was one simple choice. Well, there's some quick things here, complacency. Just the same things that cause our natural relationships to begin to falter can cause our relationship with God to falter. All relationships need ongoing vulnerability. All relationships need ongoing connection, proximity, and intimacy. But sometimes we're just complacent about God. We're like, I'm saved by grace. I'm saved by grace, woo. <laughs> I'm done. I'm saved by grace, people. You know, it's not by works, it's by faith. That's enough. <laughs> and we're like, just get complacent about that. And so instead of just having a deepening walk with God where we're willing to go out deeper, we start speed dating God. We're like, oh Lord, I need a car park, please. This is an urgent prayer right now today. I must get a car park. I'm running late. I haven't planned my life properly and uh, Wellington has no car park. So God, give me a car park and give us a mayor who gives us car parks in Jesus' name. All right. I don't even know who the mayor is. Okay, so sorry, that's really bad. But what I'm saying is it doesn't seem like we got car parks. Now, then we're like home for dinner. Oh Lord, bless this food to our bodies in Jesus' name, amen. How fast can we say grace? Not fast enough for the kids who've already started eating it. It's like, put your fork down. Don't you eat. Wait for Jesus to bless the food. <laughs> and we're like, speed dating God. And then it's like, oh Lord, bless this business deal. Oh Lord, you know, be with so-and-so. And that's it. And we're just like, that's not enough. It's not enough. We can't be complacent. Let's avoid the speed dating of God. Laziness. Laziness creeps in. When we stop making an effort, we devalue the relationship. Philippians 2.12 says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, we don't just accept we've made it, we continue to work it out with fear and trembling. The fear and trembling part is the part where we worry, am I lukewarm? Am I gonna be spat out of your mouth, God? Because I'm actually just not in love with you enough. It's not enough to know God, we must know life, we must pursue passion, come alive in knowing Him. You know, when we are in a relationship, we often make a huge effort at the start, but I would suggest our intentionality as that relationship continues is just as important. It's just as important and same with Jesus. And the third thing about that causes our love to grow cold is narcissism. Narcissism. This is the malaise of our day. This is the sickness of the generation right now. What is this? Self-focus. Has there ever been a more self-absorbed place and time? I mean, hunter-gatherers, they didn't have mirrors. 
but we're continually staring at ourselves. We're continually looking at ourselves and making ourselves literally the center of our gaze. The Bible's very clear that we are to turn our eyes and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, but we won't be turning our gaze on Jesus if we're only looking at ourselves. We cannot be the center of our praise. Our praiseworthy reports is not us. Our praiseworthy report is the glory of Jesus, amen? The Bible says in Philippians 2, everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Oh, I don't wanna look out for my interests. I don't wanna be focused on me. I wanna be focused on Jesus. I don't wanna be a narcissist in this day and age. Anybody with me? Amen. So then how are we gonna cultivate our first love? How are we gonna keep our first love alive? I want to give us three things this morning, three things that you can write down, three things that you can remember for how are we gonna cultivate and grow our first love? Because we've talked about the fact it can wane. Well, the first thing is this. He's first if pleasing Him is first. He's first if pleasing Him is first. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, we make it our goal to please Him. We make it our goal to please Him. Love stays alive when we seek to please another. Uh, as you probably have heard in our family, we now have a dog. And the dog's name is Coco, Coco the Black Cavoodle. Now, the truth is, I am a cat person. I know, the dog people are not happy, the cat people are happy. I am a cat person. Cats are so brilliant. You just get your cat biscuits and you pour them in the bowl. Done, done, too easy, and hope they don't eat the native birds. Dogs, however, you have to bath them, you have to feed them, you have to walk them. Uh, they want every ounce of your attention. It's like, the dog is like, <laughs> I'm like, leave me alone. It's just like, it's like, attention me, attention me, attention me. It's like the dog has a vacuum of love that you can never fill. It's like a little shower. It's like a toddler. My dog runs around with teddy bears in its mouth, and that is very cute. It is very, very cute, but it's also very irritating because then it pulls stuffing out everywhere, the stuffing of these jolly toys. But the dog was one of those things that I didn't want. But every day, it was like my family discovered the Goliath uh, intimidation chant, that every morning and every night for 40 days, they stood on the battlefield of my bedroom. And trust me, it's a battlefield in the morning before my coffee. Don't wake grumpy, they say. Let grumpy wake themselves. Yes, I'll own that. Um, <laughs> and they would come in and have the audacity to stand there chanting, we want a dog, we want a dog. I'm not, I think John was the ringleader. We want a dog, we want a dog. It's like that song. This is the song that never ends. It goes on and on, my friends. And you're like, you want to shoot somebody? And... Uh, <laughs> Never teach your children this song. Never, never, never. <laughs> and they were chanting at me. And in the end, it wasn't just that they wore me out. The reality is that because I love my family, I want to please them. And, I, you know, pleasing them does come first sometimes. So I put aside my preference to please them. And it's not without a price. <laughs> no. I mean, just the other week. Would you like to know what happened? Grandma was staying, looking after the children. 
and she had managed to have a little block of chocolate put away for a nice treat later, a butler's dark chocolate block buried at the bottom of her handbag, safely stashed. But Coco discovered it. She gleefully ate the whole block, including the wrapper. (laughs) Gone, like that. So we're in Australia, and Will says Coco's eaten the chocolate, and I'm very calm, very calm. You need to take the dog to the vet. Chocolate is poison to a dog. They may need to make the dog vomit. And of course, off goes the doggy, blissfully unaware, off to the vet to be made to vomit. She cost us money, she cost us time, she cost us tears, and she cost grandma her chocolate. (laughs) Is the price ongoing? Yes. But is pleasing them worth it? Yes. God has to be first. Pleasing Him must come first. Our preferences die because of passion. Second thing, He is first when He is positioned first. He is first when He is positioned first. You know, David's choices led him to a lack of passion. He stopped being positioned in the right place. He positioned himself in the palace instead of in his purpose. When we position ourselves in our purpose, we're positioned where God comes first. We've got to be careful where we position ourselves. The disciples said to Jesus, they positioned themselves next to Jesus. They were very smart, the disciples. And then they said this, so profound. They said, where else could we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. You alone, where else would we go? They positioned themselves next to Jesus. The other thing the Bible says is do not forsake the assembling together of the believers. That's church, that's us here today. Look, you're smart because you've come to church. You've decided to come and be here because you're committed to following Jesus. But why would we come and gather together? What's the benefit, what's the gain? Well, perhaps, Perhaps the fire that's burning in the person next to you might just spark the fire that's waning in you. Perhaps a spark from their life would jump and hit you and you would burst into flame, burning with a passion for Jesus' name that won't go out, that won't diminish. And as we gather together, that fire is turned and stoked and it's made alive again. We've got to position ourselves in God's house and position ourselves in His presence. The third thing is He is first when our passion for Him is first. He is first when our passion for Him is first. Passion is serving. We must be dependent on Him. You know that scripture in Revelation says, you say we have all we need. We're rich. We don't need a thing. We can't be in that place where we don't need a thing. We must be serving God and dependent on Him. If we want passion to stay alive, We have to serve Him. We have to risk. We have to be stepping out of the boat. We have to welcome people into our home when we don't want to. We have to share our faith with a person on the plane when we don't want to. We have to be willing to get uncomfortable because serving creates passion. Passion creates discipline. Discipline creates a fire that does not go out. And that is why people without a vision perish. Without a vision, you perish because you've got no discipline to see the vision come to pass. Without consistency and commitment, the fire wanes. Look, it's not the most on fire person right now that will stay on fire. It is the most committed and the most consistent. As we serve Him, we come alive for Him. Can the team come and join me right now? It would be amazing. Sorry, I thought they were there, but they weren't there. Come and join me right now. You know, we need to come back today to our first love. We need to come back to our first love. Just like I had that moment when I read that scripture and 
to be honest, every time I read it. We're never perfectly on fire, are we? It's like we always sense how near God is and how far away we are, but how close we are, but how far away we are. Is anyone like that? But every time I read it, I have that breath that gets intaken of God. Am I on fire? Are you my first love? Am I still burning with passion for you? And the truth is there's been moments where I'm like, I've got lost in the serving. I've got lost in the busyness. I've got so busy serving God, I haven't sat with God, Martha. (laughs) But the truth is in this room today, we all have need of God. We all have need of Him and we need to come back to our first love. We need to come back to Him, burn with a passion for His name. The team's gonna sing out this refrain again this morning, but I pray right now that we would ask ourselves, is He my first love? Is He my first love? Is He first in my life? If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.